the elusive young conservative? Do they exist? Do they exist in Canada? Are there young conservatives really? Well, you're basically looking at one. I would describe myself as a young conservative. Uh, but thankfully, the majority of young conservatives don't look like me. And uh, they look a whole lot better and they are a whole lot better. And today we're going to be speaking to one of them. Sam Dagres is uh, a reporter with the Post Millennial. She has her own show called Chicks and Balances. It airs every Wednesday on our channel. And she's a young conservative. And we're going to get into the nitty gritty of what that means, what the future looks like, and how we can do better to attract young people. I think you're really going to enjoy it. My name's Angelo Sodoro, and this is Cancel This. All right, Sam, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Angelo. Well, I'm glad to have you on the team. I think it's good to have younger conservatives involved in what we do. And that's the reason why I really wanted to talk to you today, because I feel like it's important to get a perspective of young conservatives in Canada, of our makeup, of what issues are important to us, um, and of who we are, because we're not necessarily identical to the generation before us and we're living in a country that is progressively moving in a different direction so i feel like your voice and perspective is valuable um, to what we do but i guess just to begin with a pretty heavy question uh what makes you believe in what you believe in in terms of conservatism in terms of you know if you even call yourself a conservative technically we can get into that but what is it that really motivates you as a young person to be in this camp versus the other? Right. So that is a very heavy question. Uh, it's, it's a confluence of things. Um, first and foremost, I think like many of us, um, it's, it's family values that were passed on to me from my parents. Um, it was, you know, things like hard work and responsibility uh, honesty. These are all things that I think most of us have been instilled with. And I think as that, as I go through the world and I become more political and I gain more job experience, I think that just culminates into kind of a conservative perspective on things um, in a philosophical sense, not a necessarily a policy sense. Um, it's also my, my background in philosophy. Um, I read a lot of classical liberals and I thought their ideas resonated with me. I thought that a lot of teenage angst was assuaged by reading some more classical liberals. Um, again, this idea, it's a very American transcendental idea that you really should march to the beat of your own drum. Um, and, you know, what is true for you will be true to most people. And I think that that strong sense of self that I developed over my university years and with the help of my family really consolidated this uh, this, this desire to be uh, self-reliant and uh, ensure that that kind of pervaded every area of my life. Um, so that's kind of my, my motivation. I, that's not a, a real concrete answer, but uh, the reason I joined the movement more precisely is because I thought that uh, political circles, more liberal political circles, when we were in you know university, in my case in CJEP, they were very constraining. Um, it was kind of this constant self-flagellation um, of feeling guilty, of repenting, um, mostly a, a politics of misery. And one of my friends one day said, you know, the, the conservatives, you know, in 2017, I believe, were having a leadership debate in my city. 
And she said, come along. And I said, sure. And just the, the hopefulness in the room was something that was completely alien to my experience with politics. And even though the demographics, you know, were, you know, tilted towards one, you know, um, I, I just thought like, it was incredible that young people still believed in themselves and believed in, in, in hard work and kind of getting ahead while kind of uplifting their community. And it wasn't always this, uh, you know, regressive outlook on life. And so I hope that answers your question. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, again, it's a heavy question, but I, I there's a few things that I want to touch on there. You mentioned philosophy. That is that's an interesting answer to me, because when you think of a philosophy major or, you know, a young person who's into philosophy in sort of 2021, I think a lot of people assume that one who is acquainted or interested in philosophy is most most interested in postmodernism, Derrida, Foucault, that seems to be like the modern milieu of mm. of a lot of philosophy students. So it's interesting to hear that you had an interest in the classics. And I mean, without getting into it too much, I know people will get a headache from this, but I'm a philosophy nerd myself. Are there any particular philosophers that inspired you? Yeah, I thought reading Emerson was like life changing. Um, I read I, I was lucky I, I did a liberal arts program, which is basically a, a CJEP program where you kind of are um, taught all the kind of the main seven disciplines. So mathematics, ancient science, philosophy. And so we got to the classics, you know, your, your Plato, uh, your Kant, your Descartes, much before we were able to get to the post-classical philosophy. And I think that was very formative because people that go straight into philosophy in university per se, you get to select which philosophy classes you take. And a lot of them end up starting with critical race theory, which taught by professors who are very skilled, uh, you know, rhetoricians, is very convincing. So I think I was lucky to start with the classicists and then I was able to make my, my mind up about Foucault, about you know, the Frankfurt School, which is compelling if it's kind of the only philosophy you're, uh, you've heard. Uh, what about you, Angelo? Who's uh, the most formative? Well, definitely like Aristotle, Plato definitely stick out to me. Um, Immanuel Kant is definitely there. I think, mm -hmm. you, you know, what what really spoke to me is what you're talking about in terms of the, the postmodernism of things. If you take classes that are on philosophy, for example, you will start with critical race theory. And to your point, you mentioned the fact that at a glance, at a first glance, it's actually quite compelling to, mm -hmm. you know, consider the idea that absolutely everything is subjective, that there is not necessarily an objective reality or truth or, or morality. But at least I found it to be very hollow. And I guess I, I was I was lucky in the same way as you. Again, I grew up in Greece, so I was like immediately always acquainted with the classics. Um, but I wonder if that is the key. I wonder if that is, you know, how to prevent more people from being attracted to that. I think a lot of people have this notion, a lot of young people have this notion that, well, you know, you're reading Socrates or something. This is someone from thousands of years ago. People were stupid cavemen that didn't know what they were talking about. It was a patriarchy, so on and so forth. Whereas Foucault and Derrida are more contemporary and intellectual and wiser even though I think Foucault, I think it's confirmed. Wasn't Foucault like, uh, isn't it alleged that he was like a child molester now? 
So, oh, I, I, I didn't know anything about that. <laughs> well, point being that postmodernism is not all that it's made to be. So it's interesting that that influenced you. Were you ever not conservative? And what I mean by that is there's a lot of people that I know who were liberal, you know, maybe capital L liberal, mm -hmm. if we're talking in terms of partisan. And it's not that they shifted, but it's that the culture shifted around them to such a degree that the Overton window shifted left and the con they naturally just fitted in with what conservatives now were. Do you think that speaks to you or were you just inherently always a conservative person? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I was president of my social justice club in high school. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. And it was it was kind of the first I think uh, my high school wasn't, you know, flagrantly political, but our first taste of politics and, you know, like discourse was very left. And so I thought it was like most, you know, left leaning kids nowadays. You just felt like it was the right position to have, like it, it unquestionably. Um, and then CJUP was kind of the same. Um, but what really galvanized me to, you know, kind of tread my own way was that um, it was just so dogmatic at some point. Um, and it was so like, like seeped in, 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 yeah, I guess dogma that there was this one instance where this, I was, I was an editor at a newspaper and one of, uh, one of our writers had written a, an article about how testosterone does not affect any level of athleticism. And I had a friend who was a bodybuilder at the time and he goes, this is insane. This is so unscientific. And I think little things like that uh, kind of, you know, started chipping away at my belief that the leftist position was the right one because all of my friends were left and they were good people. Um, so yeah, I definitely started, I started there, um, but you know, slowly made my way up the well. Uh, and, you know, out of the cave and, and yeah. Out of the cave, right, here. right. right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think you mentioned something there that, that's interesting to me that goes back to, I think, our generation's childhood. I think I'm only like two years older than you. Um, your friends were good people and they were left. Mm -hmm. And I think there is a stereotype or an archetype in Western society growing up, at least for me, and I, I'd like to hear your thoughts, that a conservative, that's the bad guy. That's like the mustache twirling villain who wants to like pollute the environment and take all this money. And he hates people that are not like him. And he's just the CEO in a, in a boardroom. That's what conservatism is. And liberalism is this freeing, we support people who don't have things and we're the good guys. We're the rebels. We're the, the good guys in the story. Do you think that that archetype of left and right existed in your upbringing? Yeah, not, not in so many words, but I think it must have been unconsciously there for me to reject it as something that I did not want to be affiliated with. I think uh, the demographic certainly doesn't make it very appealing for young people to join. Um, I think, I, I'm sure we'll talk about this afterwards, but there's definitely an old guard to conservatism and precisely conservative uh, the party in Canada. Um, and, you know, I think we, we grew up with a little more progressive ideas in school and that there, there are issues that, you know, the old guard holds that I don't think me and you hold necessarily. Um, and that the left has been very good to spin those as, you know, uh, 
like moral issues. You know, the environment is a moral issue. You know, abortion is it's a black and white. It's a moral issue. And I think that when you're growing up, you you want to fit in. You want your peers to like you. So to even explore those ideas as having you know some gray area is scary, and you don't want to be villainized. But certainly, the caricature was you know it's omnipresent almost. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what it seems like. And I, I'm glad you brought up the party so we can get into that a little bit. But first, let's talk about demographics. Mm. You mentioned going to the convention for the first time. You mentioned the reality of the situation that that you you stick out because the party itself or, is mm -hmm. made up of men, is made up of older men. I think this is something that young conservatives are definitely changing because I see, when I look at young conservatives, I see a group that is, and I, I hate to use this word, I'm using it in a literal sense, diverse, right? There is a diversity there. And I'm not saying that in like, a, you know, diversity is our strength thing, but it's just the reality. It's, it's that, that people who are different, that look different, that act different, are becoming more attracted to conservatism. That's right. So, yeah. you know, you have a show with us, it's called Chicks and Balances, it comes out every Wednesday. Is that correct? That's your time slot. What are you aiming to do with that? What are you aiming to promote with Chicks and Balances? So it was me and a buddy, and we had both uh, worked in conservative politics and found that there were just, and we were having you know, these, these long-winded conversations about the party, about where it's headed, about our place in it, um, conversations I'm sure you've had a number of times. Um, and we thought that there was such a vacancy for, you know, people that not only looked at it like, like us, but, you know, were our age. And um, I th we thought that as, you know, as we get older, we want to make sure that younger women feel like there's a place for them in conservative politics. Um, I'll give you an example. When uh, I first, you know, went to a club night at McGill, uh, the conservative booth was just full of guys. So it was very intimidating, you know, just naturally without, you know, getting into identity politics. It, it's naturally very intimidating for you know a young girl to walk up to a group of men. And then the year after, there were two girls at the booth, me included. And I found a lot of, you know, curious girls coming up, asking us what we were about, you know, signing our newsletter. And so just, you know, making it clear that, you know, the conservative party or not even the party, but, you know, conservative ideas is for everyone and can, should be explored by everyone is just very important. And I think that's what Chicks and Balances should be about. Um, and ultimately, it, it's my goal. You, you bring up a point that I think a lot of conservatives don't want to accept or embrace, which is that there is a reality that people will be attracted to something, call it a group or a club, like you mentioned, based on similarity, mm -hmm. right? And and I think conservatives naturally, and maybe to some degree rightly, are afraid of identity politics, are afraid of quotas, of saying, well, we need to have, you know, a black person and a Muslim person and a woman here so that we look like we like everyone. And obviously that's been inflated in liberal circles to basically just pander. But I think the reality is... Mm -hmm. um, that there is something to that and you mentioned your club i had very similar experiences at ubc with the free speech club where inherently it does become mostly young guys and it really takes that first really brave girl to like jump into that pool 
But then by doing so, you do have this exponential thing where you're at the booth, you're a woman, you're a female who's a conservative. Women look at that and they think, huh, maybe there is space for me here. Just the way human beings work. And I know that identity politics is not popular and I'm by no means a fan of it. But I think you bring up a good point, and I'm glad that that's what Chicks and Balance is aiming to uh, is aiming to accomplish. I think um, what I wanted to ask you about, I guess, is to to I know you mentioned before the call that you're getting less partisan. I'm getting less partisan as well. But I wanted to pick your brain on the Conservative Party of Canada itself and the direction it's going in. Do you feel, based on everything we've talked about right now? diversity and all that fun jazz stuff. Um, do you feel like it's going in a correct direction for electoral success? No, no, because as, you know, as Aaron O'Toole tries to become a little more progressive, to become a little more palatable to Canadians, um, good for him, I, I guess. But those voters are not, are not coming here. The, the ship has sailed. People who care about the environment or, you know, not so much care about the environment, but want to tackle it in a very you know strict way. Aren't voting for you already? So you're just kind of upsetting your base, while you know, running after a shadow essentially. Um, yeah, the Conservative Party is strange because they say all the right things, but I still don't feel represented in that party. Do you know what I mean? Like they're very good at posturing as if they're evolving, um, if that's the right word, but. It just, it feels stale. It really does. What do you think? Well, it, it, I mean, stale is, is one way to put it. I, I think there's an inauthenticity to it where, mm. I mean, you bring up the, the, a great point on the environment, right? Where essentially there is a carbon tax being introduced now. And it's like, we just spent nine years bitching about the carbon tax and now all of a sudden we're for it. <laughs> And at the end of the day, people who list the environment as their most important issue are not going to suddenly say, oh, now I like the conservatives. I'm going to vote for them. Like those people, we're trying to, to pander to people who hate us. Quite frankly, it is hate. Like the people we're trying to pander to hate conservatives. So it makes you wonder if all the party is doing is pivoting left, getting no votes and pissing mm -hmm. off the base. And, and that's what I think is happening. But if that is the case, mm -hmm. and, I've, I, and I've brought this up to people within the party, and they, this is what they ask. If that's the case, and let's say you're right, what do you do then? You can't just stay with one shrinking group on the right. We can't pivot left because they don't like conservatives no matter what you do. So how do you win? What, what do you do to represent the country? Well, let me ask you something. When you think conservative, what what comes to mind? What do you think conservatism is? Because no one is articulating this to us. Yeah. So on, on, a, on a moral level, nobody is. So when I think of conservative, I think of individualism. I think of basic mm -hmm. Western uh, liberal values. I mean, not capital L, like liberal in, 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 in the Enlightenment sense. I think of someone who believes that their destiny should be in their own hands not the government's. It's someone who understands fundamentally the inherent flaw of people, of humans, the inherent, you know, I don't want to say sin, but the fact that we are all so flawed that it, it would be highly problematic to give power to a centralized system 
because we're going to screw it up. It's someone who understands the way human nature is. I, to me, that's what a conservative is. Now, there are conservatives who are social conservatives and, you know, believe in, in, in Judeo-Christian values. There are fiscal conservatives who, you know, believe in lower taxes and a stronger economy. But at a basic level, I think that's a, a conservative is someone who believes in freedom, individual liberty, um, and opportunity. Yeah, and I think very well said. And I think that if you were able to uh, translate that to young people, because young people are feeling very anxious right now for a plethora of reasons. And if a, like, if a conservative party, based on those values of freedom, of opportunity, of self-determination, were able to tap into them, I think young people would be very receptive because we do want to make our own way. We're Gen Z is the most entrepreneurial generation, you know, since, you know, before Gen X, what's Gen before Gen X? I don't remember. Yeah. Like we're very entrepreneurial. We don't want to do, you know, the, the, the nine to five. Um, we're much more hardworking than millennials. Sorry. Um, and I just don't understand why the conservative party hasn't been able to tap into them. I, I think something that's really stuck out to me based on young conservatives that I speak to, it's that the conservative and this is young conservatives. So th these are people who are already converts, but they're saying this bugs me. Mm -hmm. I think our generation is annoyed with how out of touch some of the old guard is in terms of, you know, well, look, the biggest priority is just lower taxes. We just got to lower taxes. So I don't, you know, I don't have to pay high property taxes or whatever. Like we just got to lower taxes so we can make money and be successful. Mm -hmm. When the reality is for a lot of us, I don't, you know, I, I would like lower taxes because I believe it's better for the market. But at some point when free speech is being censored and you have these large moral imperatives, it's like, I'm starting not to give a shit about that. You know what I mean? Like I'm starting to feel like our our message needs to be a broader moral one because we know the left, everything is moral. You talked about yeah. this. Everything is more everything is the end of the world. You are yeah. either you are either on the side that wants to save the world from climate change or you're on the side that tries to apply like just pure, you know, logic to it that that doesn't work with voters, right? So I, I think I think for young conservatives, as far as I can tell, the largest issues for us, um, the most prominent issues are larger cultural issues. Um, what do you think? You think we win on cultural issues? I, I think or we that, could win? I think that's what's what what is speaking to a lot of people. I think it speaks to you know, young people. Well, it, it, we know in general it speaks to young people because half of them think the world is ending and we need to climate change and we need to ban people who say bad things. But I think I speak to so many people who are not political, who are our age and are saying, man, like, I feel really uncomfortable to say certain things. I feel restricted. I feel like we're not allowed to make jokes anymore. Um, comedy isn't allowed anymore. I feel like there's no opportunity to do anything, to be innovative. Everything is restrictive. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I feel like that, I don't know, I could be wrong. I feel like it's a winning issue to be like, we are going to be a party or a movement that is going to liberate you from your restriction, that is going to allow you to fulfill your destiny 
become successful and go on your hero's journey. And, you know, I I don't hear that, right? No, no. And the vessel is half half the battle. You know, Aaron O'Toole is not going to be our savior. He's not going, like, no offense. He doesn't inspire the kind of relief. I think that a lot of young people, uh, like you said, are very desirous of, you know, we, we live in a very puritanical culture. Um, it's all encompassing. You feel it constantly. Even, even opening up this camera, Angelo, I always have, right, my camera always stops. Um, yeah, I always have this little voice, like, you know, be very, very careful because you don't know what's going to be taken out of context in two, five, ten years from now. Um, young people are deadly afraid of taking risks. I think you're right in the sense that that is a deeply cultural problem that has almost nothing to do with policy right now. Um, but at the same time, this might be a little unpopular, but at the same time, um, as you said, the old, the old guard, they're done taking the risks. You know, they don't see these issues of free speech, uh, online presence, uh, you know, uh, you know, scared to make a joke at a dinner party the same way as we do, because not that their lives are over, but they've made the friends that they're going to make. They've made the connections they're going to make. Um, so I think it's definitely incumbent on young conservatives to, like you said, I, I didn't think about it like that, but definitely make this a cultural and I think a winning issue for sure. Um, but again, like the party has to start looking at us at, like us. They need to start talking like us. Um, yeah, I don't see Candace Bergen, you know, you know, even though we're two you know, conservative gals, like I have nothing in common with her, m- despite maybe some conservative ideals. Mm-hmm. Well, there are some up and coming people. I mean, are you familiar with Melissa Lantzman? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. I mean, she's an mm-hmm. example of someone who's, you know, younger and, and represents us a little more. But you're right. I mean, look, on the free speech issue, the party is now against Bill C-10, which is a horrible bill and it right. needs to be stopped. But it does still feel like they're only against that after the grassroots freaked out about it. So everything is always reactionary mm-hmm. with the conservatives. It's all in reaction, too. So... I mean, just to finish things off, um, how do we save Canada? How do we save Canada? Uh, More conversations like these, uh, you know, being honest, uh, not being scared to take mistakes and take risks in Canada. Everything is so, uh, you know, sanitized and refined and like PC. I think as long as we keep pushing back against that, I, I think we're, we're going to be on our way to a freer, in every single sense, a freer Canada. Very well said. So people can watch your content every yeah. Wednesday on the Post Millennial channel. Yeah, Is that right. correct? Check it out. All right. Go, ch- Joe, go. <laughs> well, I messed that up, didn't I? Go check out Sam's content on Wednesday. Um, Sam, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks so much, Angela. All right, that was Sam Dagris from Chicks and Balances. You can find her show every Wednesday on the Post Millennial channel. Let me know what you thought. I thought it was a really fun conversation, um, really enlightening, I feel like, to speak to someone who's about my age and has similar experiences in conservatism. And I think for older audiences, it might be kind of a, a good insight into what we're going through. 
Um, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please share this video if you found it interesting. And until next time, I'm Angelo Sidoro, and this is Cancel This. If you like that video and want to see more, please make sure to subscribe to The Post Millennial. For daily news and content, please go to thepostmillennial.com and consider becoming a member. For $5 a month, you can get rid of all the advertisements on the site. If you like what I'm wearing on my head, you can go to shop.postmillennial.com where we have beanies, mugs, and t-shirts. Please consider supporting The Post Millennial however you can. It's massively appreciated. Thank you.